Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. So happy to be back with you again today. As we all know, lending costs are up, but what do we do about it and what is our next step? Ted Green is the Investor Relations Manager for Spartan Investment Group. He has over 24 years of investment advisor, representative, and compliance officer experience. As an entrepreneur, he developed and ultimately sold a self-directed IRA facilitation company, which led him to his current endeavors with Spartan. So, Ted, take us into the program and share an experience that helped you to be who you are today. An experience. Well, Alan, first of all, thank you for including me in your show. I've followed you for some time. It's a pleasure to be here. An experience that was formative for me, thinking back to my 17 years as an investment advisor with Merrill Lynch in the Seattle, Washington office. Back in the days when there was no internet, I had a nest of clients in Wyoming. One of these investors, courtesy of going public with Level 3 Communications, as well as WorldCom, turned himself into a ultra high net worth investor who family had over $250 million. And in the dot-com bubble, when stock prices went the other way, and we found ourselves dealing with a $68 million lawsuit, uh, that was intense. In the mediation, the mediator agreed with the Merrill Lynch head of global private client. And I will say Merrill Lynch is a world-class firm. But the mediator agreed that we had behaved in a manner that was exemplary. But it was a long road getting to that statement. You know, risk comes at us as investors in a variety of different ways. That was a very formative experience for me and wrestling with really serious issues and legal claims. It was a big deal. <laughs> no doubt. I'm sure it, it absolutely was. I've been involved with legalities, but never to that financial uh, extent. But boy, they are draining and time-consuming and depressing and, and just a horrible experience, no matter what side of the coin you're on. it is. Tell us what Spartan Investment Group is. Spartan is a private equity firm. We syndicate investments. We have elected, as of 2017, to focus on the self-storage industry. And the reason for focusing on self-storage is... When markets are going up, and I think back to you know 25 years ago when the internet was coming about and investors were making money hand over fist in the dot-com era, when things turn down, they go badly and, and they, they can go horribly badly. Self-storage makes money when the economy is doing well. This is not a forward-looking statement. This is a reflective, backward-looking statement. Typically, during recessions, in times of economic slowdown, storage performs well, courtesy of life events that happen uh, you know, with the tenants. And in 2020, when COVID was a thing and people started to shuffle and 
work from home and make space at home, et cetera, et cetera, and a slight pullback in the economy, lease rates were up from the summer of 2020 through the summer of 2021. So, so anyway, we like storage and we focus on storage, not because it makes money in the heydays, but because it's a durable asset when things are rough. Mm-hmm. We like that. If I'm not mistaken, they also did well through 2008. I think there was a dip even in self-storage, but comparing it to other real estate assets, it was one of the better performing classes. Is that correct? That is, that's an accurate statement, yes. Ted, we're all concerned about this massive increase uh, in interest rates. What's your take on it? Uh, one of the requirements by the SEC when sponsors issue securities is that that they don't give advice. So this is my opinion. This is not advice from Spartan. My perspective is uh, inflation for the most part is transitory and inflation being transitory may take 18 months to work its way through the system. Not all of it, but a good portion of it. So in China, as the ports start to open up after severe lockdowns, which have really gummed up the system, so to speak, it takes a while to to work that through the system. We've got a, a prolonged challenge with Russia and Ukraine. That's a horrible situation. Energy prices will be impacted for what I think is some time. That may be a couple of years. But I think the intensity of this inflationary chapter that we are in may subside 12 months to 20 more, 24 months from now. And I don't think that the Fed is going to go as far as they are talking about. Um, I worked on Wall Street in 1994 when we had an extreme bond market uh, challenge. Interest rates were being raised frequently by 50 or 75 basis points intraday. The Fed back in the 90s, they didn't telegraph things the way they do now. They just did it. Nonetheless, I think the federal funds rate uh, will continue to move a little bit higher here in 2022. I would not be surprised 12 months to 18 months from now, if the 10-year government bond yield, as opposed to being three and a half, is back between one and a half and two, we'll probably have an inverted yield curve courtesy of a recession. So it's challenging right now. I don't think it's going to stay this challenging for a prolonged period of time. Well, that is encouraging. Of course, gas prices go up and down like a yo-yo. Other consumer goods don't, don't seem to do that. But you're saying that you really think that consumer goods are going to retract? I mean, once they go up, they generally stay up. So a box of cereal today, you think that is going to retract in price? or I think the severity intensity is going to lessen. I think there's going to be a little bit of slack that comes in just because the supply chain won't stay plugged up the way it has been looking backward. We get a little bit of a reprieve from the intensity in China. We get the ports moving again to somewhat normalcy. That's not going to happen in four or five months. That's going to take a year. But 12 to 24 months from now, because I think the economy will slow, people will spend less, the Fed won't have the jawbone mission that that it's got right now. I I think the intensity comes off it. We're, We're not done with inflation by any stretch, but I think the severity and the intensity lessens and money flows into the bond market. I hope you are correct. Ted, cap rates are another issue, a constant concern to investors. 
for the last couple of years, and essentially these last six months, they have just been excessively low. Is it possible for an investor to invest in a new product and still make money with these ridiculously low cap rates? You know, if we go to the 10,000-foot view for a moment on that topic, because interest rates have been so low, historically low, in 2020, the Department of Labor changed the laws governing defined contribution plans, 401ks, 403b plans. They They allowed for the life cycle funds to invest in private equity investments. That's for the first time. And, you know, 401ks, 403b plans, those are very, very, very large pockets of money and interest rates being historically low. We started to see some institutional money come into self-storage. Now, those pockets of money, they only want to buy class A assets in packages of $250 million. So it's not like we're going to go out and sell a $40 million class A property into Boeing's 401k plan. But the private equity firms are in the process of picking those assets up. Back to your question, you know, cap rates in self-storage 24 months ago, frequently you'd buy an asset or a portfolio of assets at five and a half, maybe 5.75. You know, that same portfolio right now is uh, in the high four cap range. Those large portfolio of class A assets assets are transacting at four cap or below, I think that there's a continued move by defined contribution plans into all kinds of the the core four and storage. So back to your question, is there still room to grow? Courtesy of what happens with the bond market and inflation, if my base case is correct, I think, yes, there is room to go with cap rate compression and assets moving higher uh, over the next five to seven years. I I really truly believe that because the uh, pension funds and the institutions, they want to diversify that base that is providing cash flow to their investors. So you think they're going to continue to suppress? You really think we're going to see three and perhaps two and a half percent cap rates? I think that's going to be reliant on the yield curve. Mm -hmm. So in, in, you know, I, I really fumble when investors say, well, interest rates are going up. Well, okay, yeah, you know, prime rate, the federal funds rate, which is the overnight borrowing rate, uh, those rates are moving higher. But the yield curve is dictated by investors who are either buying or selling a 10-year government bond, a five-year government bond, or a two-year government bond. So it seems very plausible to me if the heat comes off this uh, economic environment, the supply chain reopens, seems entirely plausible to me that we're back to a 10-year government bond that's yielding two as opposed to three and a half. Large pockets of money that have obligations to retirees, that being a pension fund, or the life cycle funds, which is, you know, that's your target date maturity fund of the, the employee of Boeing or pick your favorite company who wants to retire in the year 2035 or 2030. So it's on that retirement plan administrator to pick investments in that life cycle fund that are architected to get that investor safely to that retirement date without too much volatility. So I do. I do think cap rates are likely to continue to compress 
provided my base case scenario on the economy plays out. Ted, you got a lot to offer people. Tell our viewers and listeners what you have to offer, how they can get in touch with you. So Spartan Investment Group is available on the internet at spartan-investors.com. And then also I'm available on LinkedIn, Ted Green with an E on the end. Ted, talk to us a little bit more, give us a little bit more detail here on pricing of properties in conjunction with cap rates. So, you know, this is an interesting time. The last six months, the world has changed a bit. From And I mean that from the perspective that suddenly the world is convinced that the yield curve is going to reflate and we may deal with a full 2.5% federal funds rate that's 2.5% higher than where we're at right now. Hmm. So, uh, and, and I think that's a bit of an overreaction. I think the Fed is not accounting for what usually happens when the yield curve inverts. And that's a big fancy $20 word. Let me just briefly define that. When you have short-term borrowing rates that are higher than the yield on, for example, a five-year government bond or a 10-year government bond, that's called a inverted yield curve. And I think the statistic is 70% of the time when the yield curve inverts, we have a recession. So I think the intensity comes off that by way of the yield curve, as opposed to the Fed bringing short-term rates a full two and a half percentage points higher. Uh, I think they're going to slow that pace. When that happens, we will have a resumption, I think, of an appetite to assets that are providing current and existing cash flow. So currently, in the last six months, we've all seen the spookiness creep into the bond market where everybody believes everything the Fed is going to... Let me rephrase that. Everybody believes every word that the Fed says by way of interest rate increases. Okay, that's plausible, but what if here at the end of Q2 or during Q3 of 2022, what if the economy has slipped into recession? My personal base case is I think we're having a recession right now, and I don't think it's going to be a slight one. Provided that that scenario does play out, then the heat comes off of inflation and the cash flow comes back to and, and flows back into assets that are uh, cash flowing and providing current income. Because right now, the 10-year government bond is yielding three and a half. What if in 18 months or two years from now, that three and a half is back down to two or one and three quarters percent yield? So that's when you've got the resumption of the flow of, of cash into the assets that are providing, you know, seven to nine percent cash flow per year, plus because of the value of add component, after a five-year investment, you're picking up a 40 or a 50 percent capital gain when the property has been increased its square footage of storage and subsequently, you know, economic cycles, they're they're kind of choppy the way stock charts are. They're mm-hmm. they're very jagged and volatile. But when you pull back and look at things from a multi-year perspective, I think two or three years from now, we'll look back and say, oh yeah, that was a serious inflation scare that we had in late 21 and during 2022, but it didn't stick. Well, my understanding is that a recession is defined as two quarters uh, simultaneously 
retracting. And we had the first quarter of this year retracted, and it's predicted, we won't know this until, of course, 1st of July here, but it's predicted that the second quarter is going to retract as well. So it does appear that we are in a recession, and who knows how long that's going to be. And then, of course, the other thing that I don't think uh, economists, and uh, I don't think anybody really expected this, but the sanctions on Russia have backfired. They've hurt Europe and the United States more than they've hurt Russia. Going When Russia invaded, their interest rates uh, skyrocketed to something like 20%. They're back down to where they were before the invasion. Their inflationary rate has dropped back to the pre-invasion rates. And so, essentially, Europe and the United States is hurting because of sanctions and Russia has been benefiting from it. How is all that going to, to play out for United States investors? Boy, those are some granular data points. I can't contest anything that you've mentioned. I think it's kind of like, um, you know, that's one ingredient in the cake mix. And the, the sum total of all the ingredients gives us the operating environment that we're, that we're working with. So from a macro level, the base case, I'll, I'll return to the base case, which is an elevated interest rate environment currently and a hypersensitivity to inflation. But bear in mind, the, the supply chain has just been completely gummed up. And yes, there's specifics to uh, Russia and Ukraine, and, and the same could be said for what's happening in Mexico, China, Taiwan, you know, some of the hotspots that, that, that deservingly catch our attention in the media. But, all, but the sum of all those fears, so to speak, it gives us the existing operating environment. And if the base case plays out that we have for the next year, some real sensitivity to inflation, but then it begins to subside because the supply chain resumes and, and starts to open up and starts to operate the way it was intended to, I think the heat comes off. I think, it, I think the, the yield curve lays back down and as opposed to a three and a half, 10 year yield, a lot of fancy talk right there, but, but that's just the existing yield on a 10 year government bond investment. I think it backs down because investors can't get their returns in the stock market because we've had a recession because the Fed can't go back on its bond buying binge the way it did for the last 12 years to save us from the 2008 to 2012 um, pressure cooker that the country found itself in. So our problems aren't solved, I don't think, uh, by way of the Fed having been so active the last 12 years. And when, we, when the heat comes off the inflation sensitivity, it's still a problem, but it's going to die down. And I think the assets flow back into the bond market to support bond prices. And then the assets that are producing cash flow, be it retail, commercial, industrial, storage. I think those assets are going to do well the next five to seven years. And they're certainly going to be there, no matter which way the economy goes. We're always going to have uh, real estate. What does uh, Spartan uh, look for, Ted, in conjunction for protection of your investors? That's a, that's a really good question. So last year, the, the largest asset that we acquired uh, last year was a um, portfolio of 18 self-storage assets down in the uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas area. And for us, the, the real sauce is the reversion cap rate. What, 
what can we do with the reversion cap rate? And that's admittedly, that's a $20 word right there. Let's let's talk through what that means. So we like to buy a, a class B self-storage and expand it. And in so doing, by permitting and constructing additional self-storage units in a market where there's the absorption that will fill up those newly constructed units, that just drives the cash flow at that property higher. So let's imagine for a minute that my base case is wrong. What if we move to a 5% 10-year government bond yield 18 months from now, and the federal funds rate is at 4%? You know, it could happen. And I wouldn't suggest anybody, you know, modify their investment philosophy based on anything I've said. It's just my perspective. But if interest rates do move higher, then cash flowing assets are going to theoretically take a hit in price. Well, if we're able to bump up the square footage by 35 or 50% of the existing square footage that is available for lease at the property, that just drives the net operating income higher. And when you drive your net operating income higher, your market value goes higher. So we may have marketed the Dallas-Fort Worth portfolio uh, at an 18% internal rate of return, you know, and let's say the the base case I just laid out that federal funds is at four, 10-year government bond is at five. Well, if DFW in four years from now provided a 13 or a 14% internal rate of return because the market value at exit is not 45% you know, capital gain, but a 30% capital gain. Okay. You know, is that horrible? Well, it's different than what we projected. The investor has still received the cash flow from the storage unit um, that's that, that have come online that are leased up and distributed to the investors. So, so, so that, and that gets back to why we like storage. People deal with life events, whether or not there's a recession or you know, a 3% GDP rate of expansion. So we like storage because life events just happen. They just do. That causes cash flow for the investor. It's not reliant on businesses moving in or, or what have you. It's just people have life events, people need storage, especially in, in uh, economies where there's positive migration pattern of 1.25% and, and um, strong employment growth. It's a bit of a meandering question, but I think you get the sense, Alan, of, of the spirit of it. Yeah, Ted, it's not that you can guarantee any particular internal rate of return or even cash flow, but you purchase properties and value-add properties, essentially, so that you can add value to that no matter what the economy is going to do, and you may not be able to return to investors the internal rate of return that you promised, but you're going to be able to return to them a decent uh, internal rate of return, no matter what the economy does. And if that's the goal, that's not that bad. Yeah. Enlightened investors, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been my pleasure being with you, and I hope you found value in our experience. Ted, thank you so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge and experience. Thanks for being with us today. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital. 
a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.